0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Makaitis.
1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 530 with Julie Morgenstern. Julie is sharing how to organize your time in your life so you'll learn one, a foolproof approach to managing your time, two, the powerful questions that help you get a grip on your time, and three, how to keep your inbox from taking over your day. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find those on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F530. Now here's Julie's story. Julie Morgenstern is a New York Times bestselling author and everyone's favorite organizing guru. USA Today recently called Julie the queen of putting life in order. She's been featured in publications such as Forbes, Harvard Business Review, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Time O, The Oprah Magazine, and Red Book. She makes frequent appearances on national television radio programs, including Today Show, Rachel Ray, and NPR's Fresh Air. Her company, Julie Morgenstern Enterprises, provides corporate speaking, training, and coaching, books, and more that help individuals, companies, et cetera, to tame the chaos so they can make their own unique contribution. Julie's non-judgmental, inside-out approach to problems offers smart, practical, and insightful solutions that transform the way people and companies function. Big thanks to Julie for taking some time to chat with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out.
2: It's a trying time that challenges all of our basic assumptions. However, one thing that brings us all together is our common humanity. Now more than ever, teams must come together and work together to solve big challenges. And Trello is here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format plus tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Teams of all shapes and sizes and companies like Google, Fender, and even Costco all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. With Trello, you can work with your team wherever you are, whether it's at home or in an office. No matter what device you're using, computer, tablet, or phone, Trello syncs across all of them, so you can stay up to date on all the things your team cares about. Keep your workflow going from wherever you are with Trello. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T R E L L O.com. Trello.com.
1: Now, here's Julie. Julie, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
3: I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, I'm so excited to dig into your wisdom. But first I want to hear, so if you've got over 30 years of experience as a professional organizer, for folks who've got some clutter in their lives, do you have any pro tips or tricks that you use over and over and over again that the rest of us lay people should know?
3: Yeah, I think when it comes to organizing, maybe I was going to say physical organizing, any space, any information, anything Uh, uh, physical. Um, I model every single physical organizing system on the model of a kindergarten classroom. No kidding. Without exception. Yep. So you just picture a kindergarten classroom. It is the perfect model of organization. The room, imagine it. This is a room where you can have like 25 five-year-olds that within the first two weeks of school, no matter how messy that room gets, at the ring of a bell, everything is back in its home by five-year-olds, right? Yeah. So how is that room organized? It is organized into activity zones. There's a reading area, a dress-up area, a building blocks area, a music zone, right? And everything is stored at its point of view. So if you're in the music zone, everything that is related to music is in there. There's nothing on the other side of the room. If you're in the arts and crafts zone and you're painting a picture and you want to add glitter and glue, it's right there in the arts and crafts zone. Even if there's an empty shelf in the reading corner, no teacher would ever put arts and crafts on the in the reading zone. So it's storing items at their point of use as related to an activity. And then... Everything stored in a container that is perfect for what you're storing, right? So like puzzles are in those little slotted trays and it's uh, they're very organized. The building blocks area, there's one cubby for the columns and another one for the rectangles and another one for the arches. And you just, everything is a home that's perfect fit for what you're putting away. And the whole room becomes kind of a visual menu of everything that's important to the people who use that space. So, like a kindergartner can just come in and look around and say, What is there to do? Oh, I'm going to go over and build something and run over to that area. And that's really how our homes and our offices and our filing systems, digital or in paper, should reflect who we are and what we want and where we're going. They should reflect our activities and reflect our life back to us. It's a very visual and very powerful, and very effective way of organizing everything. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, thank you for that metaphor. That's already kind of sparking some things for me over here. Mm -hmm. And so I want to dig primarily into the organizing of time and tasks, things. Yeah. But first, maybe could we sort of paint the why for us? Kind of what difference does it make having great organization? Some might say, are we just shuffling papers and to-dos and calendar appointments from one spot to the other? Can you make the case? What's the benefit to be gained from this effort?
3: So being organized, it's a great question because why bother getting organized? You get organized to achieve a greater goal. Never get organized just for organizing's sake. Never get organized just to make things look good or appear good to other people. It's organizing systems are really uh, vehicles to get you to your bigger goals. So you shouldn't organize anything without saying why. And the very common reasons that people, when they hire us to organize them or read an organizing or a time management book or get coaching, People don't invest that kind of time or money to design a system for their lives unless there is something they are trying to achieve. Very commonly, people want to organize their time and their schedules to create space for quality time with their families and quality time for themselves. That is a very common goal. If you were more organized, if your schedule was more organized, if your space was more organized, you would free up time to be present with your friends, with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, with your, and with yourself. That's, that's probably one of the most common motivations. Another in our, in our work lives is so that we can, A, I wanna get organized, manage my time so that I can achieve my greatest, you know, fulfill my greatest potential. If you're bogged down with procrastination or you're always late and then you feel really guilty, so you're not really confident, which means you don't really show up uh, and really throw in at meetings or with clients, but you kind of hold back because you feel incompetent or you feel embarrassed, you feel like behind the eight ball, then you're missing opportunities. So it's usually to really seize the maximum opportunities at work, whether you work for yourself or you work for a small company or a nonprofit or government or a big company. It's really to maximize your opportunities.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm sold. So let's talk about, you've got a particular approach called the inside out, I guess method or approach or style or flavor. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through what is that and how do we do that?
3: Yeah, so organizing from the inside out is really about designing systems that reflect your unique personality style and goals so that it's very natural and easy to maintain. And um, too often we try to organize from the outside in. What does that look like? You just ask somebody else, like, oh, how do you, which app do you use for your to-dos or your calendar? Or, you know, how many to-dos do you put in your list for the day? And, or, how do you organize your closet? And where we buy containers and we buy tools and we think those tools are going to organize us. They don't. You have to design your system the unique way you think and and your natural habits so that you don't have to change who you are to be organized, but it actually enhances and unleashes your full potential. And it works and it lasts, right?
1: Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, can you give us an example maybe of, hey, given your context or your style or approach, you might want to choose A over B.
3: Yeah. I mean, okay. So I'll give you one or two examples. So one is people are like, How, where do I keep track of my to-dos? It's one of the universal questions of today's era because there are so many options and our to-dos come at us from so many different directions. And if you don't have your to-dos all in one place, you lose a lot of time to transferring information or working on something, but you know, you're know you kind of worried that what am I missing? So you're not really focused on what you're doing because you don't know what you're missing. It's a big problem. So people are like digital or paper. That's the big first cut. So usually I will ask people if they are to sort of identify, are you a visual tactile person? Or you kind of a digital linear person? And a visual tactile person will remember where on a page they wrote something. They're like, oh, that was like three pages back in the upper right corner in green ink. Like they have a visual tactile memory of where information is. And if that, if you relate to that, then you are probably best on a paper uh, to do system. Because the act of writing pen to paper emblazons it on your memory, helps you process and group similar kinds of tasks. And 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 just writing it helps you process what you're doing. And if you try to do it digitally, it, it's not sticky. And if you're, you know, so that's like one cut. And then if it's paper, then you just have to sort of search through the various products that are out there. That's one example.
1: Hmm. Okay. So that's intriguing and very descriptive. I think some people will say,
3: yes, that's me.
1: And that'll kind of resonate right away. And so what would be the, yes, that's me equivalent for those who are in the digital linear zone?
3: Yeah, I think people who are sort of digital linear thinkers um, can, very often they're kind of chronologic and they're thinking that they you could like throw out a date, like, you know, September 13th, and they will be, the, oh, that was a Thursday this year. <laughs> it was between my sister's birthday and, you know, when I had that proposal due, like they think numerically, uh, chronologically, they're just great at find like interfacing with the, you know, thinking straight into a keyboard or straight into a type pad. Um, and they can find things, they can figure out, like they can set up a database or a contact manager. They think that way, they think digitally. They rely heavily on search and are never afraid of losing anything because all they have to do is like have a trigger word and they're like, oh, yeah, I could find that. Whereas that so they're very comfortable and agile and think in this sort of interconnected words and associations kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Rely on the search function. They really adapt quickly to technology, super quickly. They get it. And they love because they're so good at they love traveling light, they don't feel like any attachment to paper. They're like I can find that in the cloud. They can travel anywhere and find that information and they engage with it. They don't find it overwhelming. Right? They mm-hmm. don't glaze over in front of a screen. They're using it as a tool. They get it.
1: Okay, understood. Thank you. So, very handy there in terms of all the options out there. There's a quick way to get to the heart of which half (laughs) of the options are more suited to your brain. So very cool. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned there's three steps for organizing anything, the analyze, the strategize, the attack. So could you kind of walk us through how we might approach that in organizing time or task things for professionals?
3: Yeah, so I just was coaching somebody yesterday who is a very overwhelmed executive um, incredibly accomplished man, uh, in a very senior position in a big mid-sized uh, company, very well established. And he's working like fifteen hours a day, seven days a week. He's getting everything done. but the cost is so high. He's exhausted. He always feel he can't get to the proactive stuff. He's just doing the reactive. Stuff. Um, and he's not really present for his family or himself. And it's, it's, he spreads so thin that it's sort of c- catching up with him. And so he's like, how do I fix this? So I can't just come in and say, hey, let's get you a to do list <laughs> t- as a starter. Mm-hmm. That would be an outside in approach, right? That's sort of an attack first, ask questions later approach. So analyze, strategize, attack is, it's a three step process to finding. The system that will work for that person. Analyze is you first have to ask a series of questions to really zero in on what needs to be fixed and what doesn't. So I always ask questions like, tell me what is working, right? What's working about your system right now? What are the things that always get done? What are the things that, you know, in his case, I could, you know, try to come up with his examples, but In his case, everything was getting done. That was working. What wasn't working was the number of hours that it was taking. So that starts to lead to uh, uh, narrowing in on the problem to be solved. And what is it that you're trying to juggle your time between? That's part of the analyze, which is what do you need to fit in time for, to be truly balanced, right? So, and all of us have to decide that when it comes to our time what am I really trying to bounce my time between? What are the core, like the big buckets? It could be like, I don't know, in your field, you know, you do a podcast. It's, you know, researching guests. It could be writing, you know, there's research, there's writing, there's production, and then there's like administrative follow-up. That would be like the four buckets maybe. So we all have that and analyzing is to really understand what is it that I need to bounce my time between? And then how, where's my time currently going? And I always do that uh, and encourage people like, you have to think of your time as a, it's like a closet. That's, it's a limited amount of time that's only going to fit so much. So how much time do we have to work with? Are you working 10 hours a day? Eight hours a day? 12 hours a day? What's the size of the container for your work? And then what has to fit inside? And how are you organizing it right now? What order do you tackle things in? How do you handle your mornings? When do you do your administrative stuff? Is there any order at all? Or is every day different? So that's the analyze. Where are we right now? Then strategize is where are we trying to get to? So what would your schedule look like if it was in that shape, size, container, and it fit everything you really needed to do? We kind of really do a graph, figure it out. Here's your ideal schedule. And then attack is how do we get you from where you are to that ideal schedule? And that's all the time management skills. What do you what do you add to your schedule? What do you take out of your schedule? What do you what in your schedule needs to be done more efficiently? And then you just tool it until you get the person where into that ideal state. It's very concrete and actually very uh it's like very practical and doable.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so I'd love it if you could perhaps share, is there a power question or two that you find tends to yield loads of insight as you are moving through these three steps?
3: Well, I would say, especially for listeners, there's really two questions. If you want to start to get a grip on your time and you just ask yourself, what am I spending too much time on? And what am I not spending enough time on? And then you go about, making adjustments to get those things in the right order. So if you're, I'm spending too much time on email, on writing, on administrivia, on what, you know, what am I spending too much time on? Then you look at that and you say, how do I eliminate that? How do I streamline that? I have this thing called the four Ds, which is uh, what can I, you know, can I delete it? Can I just get rid of doing this thing altogether? Like it's really not enough value for the time invested. Can I delay it? Which is at this, you know, this month, this quarter, this part of the year, this period of the business, I'm going to just put this off because right now we're in a, you know, I don't know, we're in end of year financial wrap up. So I don't, I can't also do that strategic marketing plan, whatever. That's a delay. Can I diminish it? which is, is there a shorter, quicker, more efficient way to do this? And there very often is, right? Like we, we just need to find an efficiency and operationalize a repeat task so that it takes a quarter of the time it does because it's more efficient. Or can, can I delegate it? Can I give this to somebody else to do? Because that's no longer the highest and best use of my time, but it's still really essential for the company, for the business, for living.
1: Oh, that's great. So there's a a number of tactics for when you're spending too much time on something. That's right. And how about the equivalent for when you're not spending enough time on something?
3: Yeah. So you identify what am I not spending enough time on? And like the classic universal frequent answers are I'm not spending enough time on the strategic planning or the creative work, the innovative work that's in our workday or developing people, right? Like not really thinking through my team and how to develop them.
1: Well, that makes sense these things are important but not urgent. Like it's got to happen but it's not on fire.
3: Right. But if you don't make the time for them you're you'll you you stay in that hamster wheel of always putting out fires because mm-hmm. you haven't spent time developing your people. You haven't looked ahead down the road to figure out setting up things to prevent these fires. You, you so it's so critical and also it's really where we make our unique contribution. We do not make our unique contribution and constantly fighting fires and all the little stuff. It's in the big thinking where each of us make our unique contribution. And everybody knows that whether they articulate it in their brains or not, it's like, this is where the meaningful work is. This is where I can solve problems and make a contribution, but I need time to think. So that's a common one. Not, not enough time to do those things. So if, what are you not spending enough time? On? And then you just ask yourself, the, the goal is now to create the time for it. And you ask yourself, what is the ideal block of time to work on this? Which I, I highly recommend you think about as a daily, not like once a month, but what's a daily, daily strategic planning, daily thinking time, daily research time, quiet time. And what's the unit of time? Do I need an hour at a time? Do I need two hours at a time? What's the unit of time? And what is the optimal time of the day for me to do that? And then you claim it. You just claim it. A lot of people, it's first thing in the morning, right? That that's when their head is clearest and they can protect it the most because they have the rest of the day to catch up to any of the urgencies of the day. You, you grab and block off the first hour of your workday every day or the first 90 minutes of every workday. Or if the first hour is not going to work, maybe it's between 12 and 2 every day when people feel permission to like disconnect because they might be at a business lunch. So, but know that they've got a two hour block with their deep thinking time. So, you claim that that time and you make it a regular daily appointment in your schedule. And then you let all the other stuff work around that. Mm -hmm. And there you go. You've reduced the thing that's monopolizing your time and you have created the space for the most important thing you're neglecting right now. And life changes very quickly. Your sense of control and meaning and impact changes just on those two questions.
1: Oh, I love it. Thank you. And when it comes to thinking about the time of day for things, you've been so bold as to write a whole book called Never Check Email in the Morning. (laughs) Can you tell us why don't we do that? And when should we do it?
3: Yeah, I mean, email is a uh, delivery mechanism for messages and requests and reminders and junk mail and solicitations and all kinds of things. But all in all, it's a reactive device, right? Everybody wakes up in the morning and has something they really want to get done that day. Personally, professionally, If the before you get to what you know you want to do, your proactive task, or activity, you check email first. You are starting your day out, you, you postpone the proactive, and they probably never get to it, right? Then you're off to the races. You're going down rabbit holes, you're getting aggravated, you're pulled in and you cannot get out. And I think if you postpone checking email, that reactive device um, by anywhere from the first hour, Your first waking hour, I actually think it should be your first, all the way through your first working hour, should not be on email. And you start your day proactive, getting the biggest tasks done before you roll your shades up for business. You'll get so much more done in much less time, and you start out, you in control of technology not it in control of you. And if you can start your day and control technology any other time of the day that you want to put your device away, you'll be able to. But if you can't do it for the first hour, there is not another hour in the day you're going to be able to put it down.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'd love to get your take on this. I buy that and I try to practice that. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes that really important thing that I'm doing, I need to get... Something out of the email to do that. Yeah. And, and then as I open it up, I see all the other stuff. And it's like, man, how do I do this? I, I've even tried to like put a piece of paper up to hide
3: some parts of the screen. I know. What do you do? <laughs> it's really tough. So I actually think for your most important thing in the morning that you're going to work on, if you pull everything you need by the end of the day before, then you will sort of avoid that situation at least eight out of 10 times. You're going to reduce the need to go in because you pulled it the day before. you were like, I'm going to work on that proposal. I'm going to work on that document. I'm going to pull the research. You pull everything together so you are set by the end of the day before for your morning's task. You don't come in and get set up. You set it up the day before. That's one thing. If your your first to-do requires you to be on your computer... It requires a lot of discipline and hacks to stay focused. One thing could be that before you go in, you you set your alarm on your cell phone and say, all I have to do is go in, find that email with the attachment and download it and then shut down my email. That's all I need to do. You know where it's gonna be. You know what to look up by, you know, search. That is a five minute task. You set your alarm for five minutes You go in, you get the thing before that alarm goes off and then shut it down. It's like, think about going into a supermarket, right? Like, how often do you go in a supermarket without a list? You thought you went in for three things. You'd come out with six bags of groceries. But if you go in with a list and a short time, you know, time limit, it can help keep you focused, but takes a lot of consciousness to do that, which is what we have to do in our screen dominated lives. We have to stay conscious.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's helpful. And I like when you say pull it in advance. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you could pull it. You could print it. You could save it. That's right. I'm thinking about just making in Gmail just like a super query in terms mm-hmm. of I only want to see messages from these five people. Exactly. And that's sort of what's there awaiting for me yep. on the email screen. And it's like, all right, well, that's what I have. And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm not going to kind of delete that search query. I'm just going to keep that filter up.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So I dig that. Julie, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
3: Just that when it comes to organizing your time, I think to recognize that you can stay as practical as possible. Try to only solve one or two problems at a time. Don't feel that you have to overhaul everything at the same time it's impossible. Just focus on, you know, make a short punch list of things that need to be tooled or retooled and do them one at a time. And you will see that any aspect of your time management that you address and you adjust and you tame or conquer will pay off in all of your other 168 hours of the day, right? That's I, of week. I mean... We have this 168 hours of a week to work with. You make a change in any one area and it's all interconnected and everything else lifts. So don't try to do everything at once. Just solve one problem at a time and you'll see big impact.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring?
3: One of my favorites is a Winston Churchill quote, which says, when going through hell, keep going.
1: Mm, Love it, thank you. Yeah. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
3: There was a study done by the University of British Columbia sometime in the last five years that studied the impact of batch processing email versus continuously processing email. And they it was a very extensive, very well-conducted study. And they found that, and they tested two test groups and each one, one week they had people just check email all day long, continuously. And then the following week, they had them batch process their email, which means designate specific times you're gonna go into your email, give it your undivided attention for 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it takes to clean it out, then shut it down and come back at the next designated moment, which might be two hours later. And they found to a person that when people batch processed email, rather than continuously process. They got through the same number of emails in less time. Mm -hmm. So we, a lot of times do it because we think that's the way to stay on top of things is to keep checking. Actually, you'll get through all your emails if you batch process and it'll take you less time, less real time, which means you're going to get time back in your pocket by doing that.
1: Perfect. And how about a favorite book?
3: My most recent book is, uh, is a book on time management for the parenting years, which are, the most time-stretched years of a human's life. And I did research for this book on um, what kids need to feel, how much time and attention do kids need to feel loved and secure? Because I couldn't advise parents on how to divide their time until I got the answer to that question. And I did about eight years of research. But my favorite book from that is a book called What Children Need by a woman named Jane Waldfogle. And it was brilliant. And it is really like the essence of the answer is in that book. And any parent who's wondering, how do I divvy up my time here and fuel my career and my marriage and still be there for my kids? What children need is the best resource I found.
1: Well, that is, I'm totally going to read this. Thank you. Uh, I, we got two under two right now. And roughly, what is that amount of time?
3: Okay, so I put all this together in my book Time to Parent. So basically what children thrive on is short bursts of truly undivided attention delivered consistently rather than big blocks of time delivered occasionally. And when I say short bursts, we are talking about 5 to 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops at a time. And actually Children have short attention spans. That's the key. And many experts say to calculate about a minute for each age of life of attention span. Give or take, of course, there's some variation. But if you think like a five-year-old has about a five minute attention span before they dash off to the next activity. And a fifteen-year-old, 15-minute conversation, and they are like, okay, I've had enough. So or a game. So, and consistency is the key. And that's what you'll read a lot about in Jane's book, which is kids need to be able to rely on when they first wake up in the morning that mom or dad is like, hey, how do you sleep? It might only take three minutes, but it's, at, it's like first connections that can count on that. When you get home at the end of the day, don't walk through the door still on your phone doing one last email or one last call or one last thing. Make a mindful transition before you cross that threshold. And when you, what is my intention on the other side of that door? I want to let that kid know, my wife know, my husband know. I am so excited to see them and I want to hear about their day. And if you do these short bursts, you build them into the fabric and the rhythm of the, the basic transitions of the day, that is what makes kids feel loved and secure. And if you can occasionally do these big blocks of time, you know, quality time outings to the park or museum or whatever, those are great. They're fine. They can make memories. But what they really thrive on is those short bursts delivered reliably. It's very freeing. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: And if folks want to learn more or get in touch with you, Julie, where would you point them?
3: I would say come to my website, juliemorgenstern.com. And you can Poke around there. You can read about the books. You can read about Time to Parent, uh, the Never Check Email in the Morning, my other books. We have a couple newsletters you could sign up for. We have a Contact Julie uh, tab where I welcome comments, questions, queries, and we will absolutely get back to you. And, uh, and you can find me online, Instagram, just Julie Morganstern everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Perfect. And
1: do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs?
3: Yeah, I would say the call to action is to define so clearly what is your unique contribution? What is it that you bring to the table that you know your company hired you for? And you should start 2020 by claiming time for making that unique contribution, tie it to your schedule reliable time every single day. You do that and you will start to really feel not only a great sense of satisfaction, but a great sense of control and contribution. And you will start to see real results for it in every other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm.
1: Perfect. Julie, this has been lots of fun. I wish you all the best in your organizing adventures.
3: Thank you so much. Great to talk to you, Pete.
1: I really appreciate Julie's insights and I really appreciate our sponsors. Check them out. I got such a kick out of Julie's take on paper versus digital and how to know which one suits you because I've <laughs> I've heard both camps of arguments. I thought, oh man, paper sounds really great. Hmm. Oh yeah, digital. I'm really enjoying that. Hmm. Which one is the best? I love things being optimal, and so I like the way she pointed that out. That for me, I am the person who says oh, we just put it there. I can search it later. And I do. And it works well for me digitally. And I don't so much remember the placement and colors of things on pages. Although that happened a couple of times when I was studying, I remember in high school, like, oh yeah, that was in the blue box in the bottom right hand of the page where it explained this thing about photosynthesis or whatever. But that was more rare for me. Anyway, those are my own reflections. I am a digital guy. And in fact, I am guilty of, I mean, there's sort of, a bunch of stuff in a room and I'm trying to clear it. I'll just sort of put it in a box or a bag. And in my head, that means elsewhere, (laughs) like not here. It's like I've pushed archive, but it doesn't quite work that way (laughs) because I can't just push a search to get all my stuff. I actually have to know where it is, not just that it's elsewhere. There's no magic search button, unfortunately. Anyway, that was helpful for me. I hope you found some things that are helpful for you. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep530. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll hear from our next guest, Stan Silverman. Stan's got a really cool story about how he sort of stayed at the same company for a long time and kept getting promoted, promoted, promoted till he was the CEO. And there's some good lessons there associated with how to differentiate your own self and get your
0: promotions. So I hope to catch you there. Peace.